the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. This great nation will endure as it has endured. Let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on earth. You are about to embark upon the great crusade toward which we have striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. We're not, as some would have us believe, doomed to an inevitable decline. I do not believe in a fate that will fall on us no matter what we do. I do believe in a fate that will fall on us if we do nothing. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. From every mountainside, let freedom ring, and if America is to be a great nation, this must become true. So let freedom ring. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer. Here's your host, Bob France. Yes, indeed it is, and a good morning to you. Thanks for joining us. It is now nine minutes after the hour of nine o'clock on this Thursday. It is the 14th morning of the seventh month of the year of our Lord, 2022. And before I get started doing anything having to do with the news, anything having to do with the um, interviews that we're going to be doing today or anything else, the 14th morning of the seventh month is a special one for me because it is now the 19th time we will have celebrated the birth of my son. Uh, happy birthday, young man. I know you're not listening right now. You're probably still asleep as you get set for uh, football, but uh, uh, happy birthday, Jared. I love you, son. Happy birthday, and I hope you have an outstanding day. Can you dig it? Now, having said that and needing to say that, we have a lot of very important things to do today. We're kind of loaded up, but our one is free. So this is a real great opportunity for you to be heard if you are so inclined to call the radio show. Our one is open at 216 
and 888-281-1110. Then it gets a little congested with important guests. Coming up at 1010, Dr. Everett Piper will join us. The Culture Wars rage on. He is at the forefront. He really is a general in the Culture Wars, and uh, we need to follow his lead. He's got a couple of very important stories regarding this that we will talk about today, including one that will chill your blood. Let me say that again. It will chill your blood. It will make you very, very uncomfortable. It'll be very, very disturbing. And it's reality. Uh, I don't want to give any of it away, but at 1010, you're going to want to be listening because part of that conversation is going to be about a story that was uncovered by Judicial Watch, documentation proving some very, very disturbing things being done by our federal government with respect to unborn babies. That's about as far as I'll go. Uh, I, I don't want to I don't want to give it away and I don't want to talk about it until I have to talk about it because it is really that blood curdling. So uh, Dr. Everett Piper at 1010. Then at 1035, staying in the medical realm in a manner of speaking, although I don't know if I necessarily would consider the people who are jamming these uh, untested uh, experimental DNA altering toxins into people's bodies, uh, as a supposed quote-unquote treatment or inoculation against COVID-19, doctors, I guess they still have that. Uh, they still they still carry that uh, carry that label. But we're going to talk to Doctor Sherry Tenpenny, who won't do it, who won't put those uh, toxins into your arm, and is doing everything she can to try to expose those who are, and to uh, explain the danger. Doctor Sherry Tenpenny will join us at 10:35 on the latest propaganda push by the cdc by the fda by the nih by uh dr anthony fauci uh all of them all of them continuing to push these new drugs especially saying that you know the new sub variant for covid19 the sub variant of omicron bs4 or bs5 and yes i know they're called ba4 and 5 but i want to be more accurate bs4 and bs5 uh, these are really coming strong, boy, and they're going to be here in the fall. You need a third booster right now, and you need a fourth one come this fall. This is what they're pushing. Dr. Tenpenny's not having it. She's going to tell us about that coming up at 1035. And then at 1110, we're going to talk to uh, gubernatorial candidate Neil Peterson. For those who forgot, yeah, there's another name in the race besides incumbent Mike DeWine and Democrat challenger Nan Whaley. Neil Peterson is running as an independent, still not sure if he's going to be on the ballot because of, obviously, signatures, and they're awaiting that. But he's going to be in Medina uh, County uh, coming up this weekend for a very important event, and uh, it'll be your opportunity to meet him and talk to him. And we will talk to him about his campaign to see where things are going. So Dr. Everett Piper, Dr. Sherry Tenpenny, and then Neil Peterson for governor, our guests on the program today. I welcome you before, between, and after those guests. But mostly before, because our number one is free. 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110. Having said that, let's start as we always start with our Pledge of Allegiance to our great country. If you are a patriot, stand where you are. If you are driving right now, you, uh, of course, are exempted from standing, but you can still put your hand on your heart and drive with one hand. Can you make that happen for us? As long as you can do it safely. How about it? Uh, but let's go ahead and say our pledge. If you are a believer in Brandon ideology as it pertains to what is happening to our middle class in this country, all with an attempt to please Marxists and socialists pushing for a Green New Deal and a transition to clean, renewable energies, ending America's reliance upon fossil fuels. If you believe in any of those things which literally rob us of our independence, then you don't understand what this pledge or the flag or the Constitution is about anyway. 
You are therefore exempted from the request to pledge your allegiance to it. You can go ahead and take a knee over by your favorite ex-quarterback. Instead, for the rest of us... I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. All right, 14 minutes after the hour now. I want to start um, with a follow-up on the story that we have covered over the course of the last two or three days pretty extensively. And that is what we were calling the almost certain-to-be fabrication, the made-up, the lie, about a 10-year-old girl in Ohio being raped and impregnated by a family member and then being forced to get an abortion out of state because uh, it was six days and th- or excuse me six weeks and three days and Ohio has a six-week law and we told you the whole story and all of the reasons why it did not add up to anything all of the gaps all of the misinformation about it and we told you it likely very very likely did not happen Some terrific reporting was done on this by PJ Media. I talked to Megan Fox when I was hosting the Brandon Tatum show a couple of nights ago. We had her on, who uh, she has been covering this as well. Yesterday, we talked to Neil McCabe of the Ohio Star, who's been covering it very closely as well. And, uh, of course, a lot of our Salem properties, including Town Hall Media, has done so as well. And nothing added up. The Attorney General of the State of Ohio, uh, uh, Dave Yost, went on Fox News uh, with Jesse Waters and declared as much that we haven't seen one hint of an idea that this whole thing ever even happened. And if it did, the whole idea that she had to go to Indiana to get an abortion is false. It's just not true. It's not right. Because Ohio, with its heartbeat bill, does have a carved-out exception for the life of the mother, particularly when the mother is an, a minor in a situation like this, or the would-be mother. And in this case, what we should call her is what she is, a 10-year-old rape victim. So there were there were so many holes in this story. The only uh, reporting of it that was being done was from an abortionist who was an abortion activist, a very very prominent and loud and vocal one in Indiana, claiming that yeah, a child abuse doctor, whatever that is, I don't think that's an actual official title, but a child abuse doctor in Ohio called me and said, will you do this procedure because uh, it's six weeks and three uh, three days uh, past the uh, conception. So will you do this because we can't do it in Ohio. Those terrible, evil pro-lifers in Ohio made it impossible. This is what the story, this is how the story was told, right? So um, we put a lot of, cast a lot of doubt on it. Late yesterday, late in the afternoon yesterday, word came down. Columbus Dispatch reported it first, I think, and then a number of others that a 27-year-old illegal alien named Gerson Fuentes was arrested for raping a 10-year-old girl, which resulted in pregnancy. So it turns out that the story is true. He has confessed, apparently, to this particular crime. And so the whole story is true. Now that is where the story does not end, where we say, oops, we were wrong, it exists. This is where the story begins. Because there are a whole lot of questions that remain unanswered here. Specifically, why, when this whole thing was announced weeks ago, was there no hint of an arrest? Nothing published, nothing reported. The Attorney General of the State of Ohio, who said very clearly that he is in close contact with police chiefs, sheriffs, and cops all across the country, and prosecutors, 
all across the state of Ohio, and nothing. There was there was nothing of this. And then suddenly, it's like, boom, here it is. There are more questions right now than we have answers. Megan Fox has written a follow-up to this on PJ Media, and again, I interviewed her, and we shared the same beliefs in the, again, in starting with the fact that there was a six-week law in the state of Ohio, which there is not. There is no six-week abortion limit in the state of Ohio, that after six weeks you can't have an abortion, six weeks and three days, etc. It's not true. Ohio's law is a heartbeat law. Heartbeats are generally, but not in every case, generally uh, detectable at around six weeks of pregnancy. It was stated that way in the entire run-up to that bill as it was presented and debated and defeated and put back and blah, 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 eventually signed by Mike, uh, Mike DeWine. So it's a heartbeat law, not a six-week law. So when the whole thing was, well, it was six weeks and three days, and therefore Ohio wouldn't do this procedure, they wanted this little girl to suffer some more. It was just so bogus-sounding. Um, and I think that part of it is still bogus. But Megan Fox reporting for PJ Media on this originally and now following up, writing, quote, The Columbus Dispatch reported on Wednesday the police arrested a 27-year-old undocumented Ohio man. Let's, let's call it what it is. That's an illegal alien, which I guarantee you has a lot to do with why this case was buried, or at least this, uh, uh, the suspicion of who the rapist was was buried, because this shines a spotlight on illegal immigration again. Because this violent disgusting, repugnant subhuman who rapes little girls should not have been in this country if we did not have an open border red carpet policy. But we do. The story continues. The viral story of the child who needed to seek an abortion out of state after Roe v. Wade was overturned was reported vaguely by the Indianapolis Star and used as a political weapon to go after Republican legislators who advocate for abortion restrictions. I reported on glaring errors and omissions in the reporting in the Indianapolis Star, which led to fact checks by multiple news organizations, including Snopes and the Washington Post, neither of which could confirm the original claim. The single source behind the report was Dr. Caitlin Bernard, an activist abortion doctor who was in the media often advocating against abortion restrictions. Bernard refused to clarify whether or not she had reported the alleged crimes to authorities leading to a media frenzy that peaked on Monday night on Jesse Waters' primetime show on Fox News, where Attorney General Dave Yost said he was unable to find any reports of the rape of a 10-year-old in Ohio. And that's something that we talked about, too. We've been laboring to get um, uh, Dave Yost on the air. We have not been able to do so as of yet, but we're going to continue to work on that. Yost also refuted Bernard's claim that the child had to go to Indiana for abortion saying that the situation would have been covered by emergency exceptions in Ohio's heartbeat law. The day after the Attorney General's appearance on Fox News, the alleged rapist suddenly was arrested and confessed to Columbus police. According to the report, the Franklin County Department of Child Services received a report of the incident on June 22 from the child's mother. It is not known how long it took Department of Child, of, uh, Child Services to give that report to the police. But the fact that the suspect was not arrested until the story went viral raises questions. PJ Media has reached out to both Franklin County DCS and Columbus Police to ask for confirmation of that report. As of Monday, Yost had no knowledge of any reports. He's the AG. Bernard's refusal to answer media, along with the Indianapolis Star reporters and editor refusing to clarify how they vetted the story, is still inexplicable, and many questions remain. 
This is a developing story. This is not a story that has ended. This is not a story where where abortion rights advocates get to take a victory lap and say, See, there was a 10-year-old girl that was raped and impregnated. And it wasn't by a family member, it was by an illegal alien. But still, she couldn't get an abortion within the state of Ohio because of you draconian Ohio Republican legislators who uh, passed that heartbeat bill or heartbeat law. This is what they, they and they just kind of said, said they're, they're playing the see, we told you so game. Abortion restrictions are awful. This little girl shouldn't have had to go through that. Well, that's hogwash. She wouldn't have had to go through it in this, that in the state of Ohio. She is a child rape victim. She was likely, because she just recently turned 10, was likely impregnated at age 9. Carrying a child when you are a child, first of all, the idea that she was physically capable of um, uh, conceiving at that age, it's it's very, very difficult. Uh, I'm not saying it's impossible, obviously, but it's very, very difficult to comprehend. But nonetheless, a child carrying a child is, of course, a massive, massive risk to the life of the mother or the impregnated rape victim. And, of course, an exception. Dave Yost is right. Would have been in the law here in Ohio. She didn't have to leave. They made this story happen, I still continue to believe, in order to try to bludgeon pro-lifers over the head with the worst possible story they can find to say, see, there should be no limits on abortion. Roe versus Wade shouldn't have been overturned. Abortion should be codified into federal law, and state legislators like the one in Ohio should roll back this ridiculous law about a heartbeat because look what it does to this little girl. Never mind the fact that this little girl, while horrible and awful as this terrible in, in, uh, uh, a situation is for her to endure, is extraordinarily rare. It's extraordinarily rare for any rape victim to become impregnated. The number of rapes that result in abortion, or rather the number of abortions that are the result of a rape, much less one of incest, is, ex- is so extraordinarily low it's hard to even, it's hard to even com- uh, uh, comprehend. But the reality is this is not about that. They, they buried this. They did not release any information about uh, a rape, much less somebody coming forward and confessing to the crime, much less them being an illegal alien either. And they did so for a reason, because there was an agenda here, and the agenda was to make abortion restrictions look awful and look like they're punishing little 10-year-old rape victims. That's what this was all about. I've got more on this. I've got more reporting on this, but I want to open up the phone lines to you, as I mentioned before. So if you've got thoughts on this story and about the 10-year-old girl who was, um, apparently it's a reality, was raped, whether she went to Indiana, by the way, is still also uncorroborated. We have no evidence of that whatsoever. We don't know if she received treatment here or there because we didn't know any of this was true until literally late in the day yesterday. So all of these things are up in the air, and all of these things are worth our discussion. It's 925-216-901-0945, Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer. Okay, 928, Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer. Don't forget to go to the website, alwaysright.us, alwaysright.us. Check out the top stories of the day. Included in those top stories are all of the new reporting on this 10-year-old case 
that has been uh, viral over the course of the last three days. All of the new reporting since yesterday, an arrest was finally announced. Uh, let's go to the phones. Todd is in uh, South Euclid on AM 1420, The Answer. Todd, go right ahead. Yeah, good morning, Bob. Look, you can have as much skepticism as you want to have about this, but you need to apologize to the little girl and her family. You, Right or wrong, should you apologize? Absolutely not. Absolutely Why? not. Well, because of the same thing that the Attorney General of the State of Ohio said, there was literally zero reason to believe that any of this was legitimate or real. But it was no legitimate. She got raped. The guy was arrested. And you put the family and those little girl through more trauma. No, I didn't. No, I didn't, Todd. Apologize. Todd, Todd, you got to listen. You got to listen to what I just said. At the time that I said what I said and gave my skepticism, I was going by all of the information that was available that was verified by the Attorney General of the State of Ohio. Now, if that information... He was wrong. Okay, maybe he was wrong, but that doesn't mean that there needs to be an apology when you're reporting on the facts that are Man. in hand. When you have the facts that are in hand and you make your judgment based on that, that doesn't require an apology when those facts later that's change. When the facts later change. When you're doubting whether this girl was raped or whether the family was lying or something. Yes, you need Todd. to apologize. Todd, Todd, you need to go away now, and you need to calm down because you're going to stroke out. I can already, I can already envision a vein popping on your forehead right now. There's no little girl. No, no. Thank you for the phone call. You need to calm down and just listen for the rest of the show. There is no reason to apologize to a little girl because we didn't doubt that little girl or that family. We doubted that one even existed, and this is what literally fact-checkers from left-wing media outlets to conservative media outlets to the Ohio Attorney General himself all tried to verify, confirm, or corroborate that a family even existed in this condition. No one could do so. The fact that we now know it did happen is, is time for us to say, okay, the facts have changed. Now we have different facts that we have to go on, and we can still ask very important questions, such as why was this all covered up, even from law enforcement? The fact remains here. The only people who need, who need to give apologies are those like the abortionist in Indiana who did not report this to law enforcement, and the doctor or quote-unquote child abuse uh, representative that was referenced by the Indiana abortionist here in Ohio who did not report this to authorities. Because if authorities had had evidence of this, guess what we would not have done? We wouldn't have doubted the existence of this case at all. So you need to calm down. This isn't a time for apologies. This is a time for investigations to find out why they covered this up. And by the way, why this illegal alien rapist was even in our country to harm any little girls. Right back after the news, always right radio, AM 1420 the answer. Whoops, correction, now it is 940 on AM 1420, The Answer. Thanks for being with us on this Thursday. we got a lot of guests coming up. We'll get you some phone calls here in a second. 
I want to just quickly follow up on the issue of the uh, girl in, uh, well, we don't know where. We know it's an Ohio girl. Uh, I guess it's Columbus because Columbus police is the, are the ones finally reporting on this arrest. And the arraignment was held yesterday of this illegal alien in the uh, rape of this 10-year-old girl. So uh, the fact that we just literally found out yesterday that it was in Columbus kind of lets you know what we're talking about. We literally have talked to reporters, multiple reporters, who have been scouring the major cities to the east in Youngstown, to the west in Toledo, to the to the south in in uh, Cincinnati, to Columbus, to to here in Northeast Ohio, trying to figure out who you know. Look, are there any rape reports? Are there any ten year old girl ten uh, year old girl rape reports? What are the police looking into? Blah blah blah. No one could find anything. There was nothing until yesterday, and so we got a, a caller who called outraged that I owe an apology to this girl and her family for making things worse. Worse. You know who owes an apology here? The mainstream media that took the rape of a child and weaponized it in the fight over abortion rights rather than being concerned about catching a child rapist. That's who owes an apology here. There was no reporting, investigative or otherwise, from any of these media outlets that ran with this story uh, that were concerned about the rape of a child. It was all about, see... Those evil right-wingers in the Ohio State House passed this, this barbaric law that would require a, a, a girl who's been raped, who, who's, who's six weeks and three days pregnant, to have that baby. They weaponized a child who was raped to score abortion points. You understand that? That is who owes an apology. Here's more from PJ Media. From the beginning, many things about this story didn't add up, and they still don't. Megan Fox, an investigative reporter who always crosses her T's and dots her I's on stories like this, was the first to raise questions, both on Twitter and here at PJ Media. She asked why the Indy Star relied on a single source for the story. Again, say I asked the very same question. When there's a single source story, there's no corroboration whatsoever, then you do not take it as, as being accurate. You put it in the questionable category until we find out more. So we questioned it. Rightfully so. Something that I, for which I will not apologize for being right to question something that was not clear and that was not corroborated. That's called journalism. She wanted to see what the police report said and indeed sent a trove of FOIA requests to the relevant agencies. She questioned why the girl had to be transported across state lines if Ohio law permitted her to get an abortion in her home state. No one was able or willing to provide answers to those questions, leading many of us to ask whether the whole thing was a hoax designed to gin up opposition to pro-life laws. It's certainly not unheard of for activists to fudge details or make up stories out of whole cloth to create a narrative. So Megan's questions were worth asking, and we stand by her reporting. I completely agree. I stand by her reporting and her questions just like I stand by my own. Not only would I not apologize for them, I would double down on them under the same circumstances. I would ask the same questions again, given what we knew at the time. Now that a suspect has been arrested, there are even more questions. For example, why did the Columbus Police Department sit on the report of the rape of a child for three weeks? According to the police report obtained by Megan, a police report was generated on June 22nd, but the rapist was not arrested until July 12th? One day after the story went national? With appearances by Megan and Ohio's Attorney General Dave Yost on Fox News? 
Were they working the case, or was there another reason? The perpetrator may have actually been living with, or at least near the victim, until his arrest. We don't know for sure, but the scene at the, of the crime was Fuente's apartment, and his lawyer told the judge at a hearing on Wednesday that Fuentes, quote, had an address where he could live that was not at the same location as the 10-year-old, according to the Columbus Dispatch. Note the use of the word could. The suspect could live separate from the victim, but perhaps was not at the time of the arrest. So the alleged rapist, living either most likely very near the victim, was not arrested, was remained free, remained free in order to potentially commit another rape between June 22nd, the day the police report was generated, and the arrest yesterday. Or actually, uh, it was on July 12th. It was just revealed yesterday, July 13th. There are apologies that are due here, but not from those of us who question the legitimacy of this, but, but from those who absolutely had a responsibility to make this information public. Rather than keeping it on the down low to A, protect their argument against pro-life laws, to use it as a weapon to use the rape, the traumatic, horrific rape of a child who was likely nine at the time of the rape. Apparently she just turned ten. So, uh, A, to, to use the, the, this story as a way to weaponize the abortion fight, and then B, to protect an illegal alien to protect Biden immigration laws that have allowed hundreds of thousands of illegal aliens through that border this year alone and who continues to roll out the red carpet or at least run it across the bottom of the river that they are continuing to cross at this very moment. This person should not have been here. All right, Chuck is in uh, Cleveland next. Hey, Chuck, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Go ahead, sir. Hey, good morning, Bob. First time I want to say happy birthday to your son. Thank you. It was my, it was my mother's birthday also. Oh, God bless her. God bless you, too. Thank you. Um, you just stole my thunder. I wanted to say that I think it's absolutely despicable that they're politicizing this poor little girl. You know, it's it's just it's it's hideous. It's despicable. It only tells you how low they will go to exploit a little kid for their own agenda. I think it's sickening. I Thanks agree for taking the call, Bob. Thank you, Chuck. I appreciate the call. Not only is it sickening that they're exploiting her. Um, I mean, listen to the listen to this aspect of it. They knew that she existed and knew they were exploiting her trauma for their political points on the issue of abortion law. We, who questioned the story, didn't even know she existed. We thought they were making her up out of whole cloth, making the whole story up, because, again, Caitlin Bernard, the uh, doctor in Indianapolis, the abortionist, the ghoul, the pro-deather, she did nothing to corroborate this. All she did was run to the media and say, this happened. She didn't run to authorities. As a matter of fact, she may be facing charges in Indiana. But the people who sat on this for three weeks, who covered it up for three weeks, knew what they were doing. They knew they had a little girl here, and they were exploiting her trauma for their political gain. Those of us who didn't believe the story was real or questioned anyway whether the story was real didn't even know there was a little girl in the situation because none of it added up, which Dave Yost, the attorney general, again repeated. 
There is no evidence whatsoever to suggest that this whole thing isn't fabricated for political purposes. Let's go down to Akron. Tanya, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Go ahead, Tanya. Hey, Bob. I just got kind of kicked off with the guy that was trying to want you to apologize. He should want to apologize for the way he's not critically thinking. We're supposed to question things that don't have facts. We're not supposed to let you live on emotions. And you're right. They're exploiting this girl for their benefit. If there was a rape, it should have been reported to the police. If it was a rape of a family member, it's hard, but you still need to report. And if he was illegally in this country, why was he in this country in the first place? Were they trying to cover his tracks to get him out of the country before he got caught, before they were going to allow this? So they were going to allow this little girl to have to deal with her accuser, with her rapist, because they wanted to protect us. This country has the values upside down. No one wants a child to have to deal with a, a violent episode that causes her to get pregnant. And we know that most 10-year-olds, can, you know, it's a one in a million chance that a 10-year-old is going to get pregnant. We had reason to be suspicious, but we were not condemning or mean-spirited about it. We weren't trying to say, this is the reason why. We just wanted facts. So if there's a glitch in the system, we can go and address it because we don't want to cause harm. The less is never about not causing harm. They cause harm that always leads to destruction and death. We are the opposite. What we do is we try to get facts so we can improve and promote life, period. Tanya, very, very well said, and with, I think, the passion that is deserved by this situation. Thank you for that great phone call. Uh, and you're right, that is what they do. And they were trafficking those on the political left who specifically condemn pro-lifers, people like Elizabeth Warren, for example, who not only is she pro-abortion rights uh, at any time, on demand and without apology, she wants pro-life centers who provide pregnancy services to women who are trying to carry their, baby, carry their babies to term. She wants them shut down. She literally said that. Rather than closing down Planned Parenthoods, she wants to shut down uh, pregnancy centers. Yes, they're evil. Yes, they're ghoulish. And yes, they were trying to exploit this girl's trauma for political points in their fight against pro-lifers. That is exactly what they did here. It is every bit as repugnant as you just described it as being. Um, TJ next. Hi, TJ. Go ahead. Yeah, hi, Bob. In response to Todd from South Euclid, you know, I don't know what's happened here like everybody else, and I'm willing to find out. But what's, let's just say this turns out to be one of uh, Joe Biden's bus boys. One of them ones brought in the middle of the night, you know, from an open border, flown into communities and placed around our country. What if it turns out to be that? Will Todd from South Euclid call and apologize for supporting the potato head he helped put in office? Will he apologize for that? I doubt it. And, and like I said, I'm willing to wait and see what happens with this. But the real story is here, uh, the doctors that didn't report under law what they were supposed to, Yeah, it is an illegal alien. This is the story. Uh, and it's very unfortunate about a 10-year-old if this is true. I, I, I agree with that. But how come the left doesn't want to look at the rest of this? And if it does turn out that way, I want Todd 
from South. Why is it all these liberals are named Pod? That's some other one that kind of bugs <laughs> uh, me. That, I'm not going to get into that part because I don't want to detract from the main point you're making, which is a good one, TJ, and thanks for the call, buddy. I appreciate it. And the main point of this story is this is the story of a rape of a child by an illegal alien. That should be the focus, period, point blank, end of story. The fact that she was impregnated and needed to get medical care that she is legally here in the state of Ohio, even with our heartbeat law in our pro-life state, is legally as a child whose life could be in jeopardy if she's forced to carry another child inside of her. Uh, the fact that she needed to get uh, whatever procedure would, needed to be done within the bounds of the law is not the main story here. The main story has to be the rape of a child and the fact that he was not arrested for that rape despite apparently knowledge of him uh, being there for, for the last three weeks since the first police report was filed. And why the police buried this and was never uh, run up the chain to the Ohio uh, Attorney General's office. Attorney General Yost said he knows every chief and, and uh, sheriff and prosecutor in the state, obviously, as the AG, and there wasn't even a whisper of something like this. Why was this being buried? That's the story. The story is a rape, a child victim, and an illegal alien who shouldn't have been here to commit it. And instead they turned it into, they weaponized it, they exploited her pain to, to, uh, to uh, score points in the battle against pro-lifers. That's just repugnant. 953, right back, always right radio. Don't forget Dr. Everett Piper coming up after the top of the hour. He's got a couple of important stories. I said to you this uh, at the open, or in the open, and I'll say it again now. He's got a story that he's going to discuss with us that will chill your blood. Yeah, I mean, seriously, if you are, if you have even an ounce of a conscience um, or, or soul, uh, this will touch you and, and disturb you. Um, I, I wish it didn't exist, but we did, but it does, and, uh, and he's going to tell us about that. So Dr. Everett Piper coming up at 1010. Dr. Sherry Tenpenny, by the way, on the increased uh, um, propaganda, if you will, that the uh, federal government is using to promote COVID policy, new COVID policy, calling for third and fourth boosters and back to indoor masking, according to Dr. Anthony Fauci. Yeah, we're going to get Dr. Tenpenny's thoughts on that coming up at 1035. So make sure you're here for that. But last thing for this hour, and I want to follow up here on what we were talking about. The story of this little girl should never have been about the fact that she, quote, had, which was not true, but she, quote, had to travel across state lines to get an abortion to save her life, as Joe Biden said, (coughs) excuse me, from the uh, podium in front of the national press. The story here should have been that an illegal alien who had no business being in this country raped a little girl. And that that rapist, at least for three weeks since it was unreported about an arrest, was on the loose. How could they not let the public know that there was a rapist on the loose? How could they not? When the first report was filed on June 22nd, how could they not tell people in the greater Columbus area that a 10-year-old girl had been raped and that rapist is not yet in custody? So that other people could put a little bit of an extra eye on their children to make sure that their children were safe. How come that's not the story? Instead, the story is about abortion rights. That's what they've done here. They made it about abortion rights. And one last thought to the caller who demanded an apology about this whole thing, because it turns out the 10-year-old girl is real, and the family is real, and the story is real, at least parts of it. You know who else didn't know it was real? 
Joe Biden didn't know it was real. The White House was asked by media to corroborate Biden's story that he repeated at that podium, that he told at that podium. And they said they had no corroboration. They were going by one single source. If it had turned out to not be true, do you think Joe Biden would have apologized? Yeah. You go ahead and think about that. 10 o'clock news. We'll come back on Always Right Radio with Dr. Everett Piper, AM 1420, The Answer. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. Welcome to Always Right Radio with Bob France on AM 1420, The Answer. Eight minutes after the hour of 10 o'clock, and we continue. Hour number two is underway. It's the it's a Thursday, the fourteenth morning of the seventh month of the year of our Lord twenty twenty two. And I'm going to say this at the top of every hour when I tell you the date because it makes me think of it. My children are my life. Uh, my wife and I both concur. And uh, happy birthday, happy nineteenth birthday to my son Jarrett. I hope this is the very best year of your life, the very best year you ever have until the next one. Happy birthday, son. Uh, Let's bring in Dr. Everett Piper, as we do each and every Thursday at this hour, as we talk about the culture wars. Dr. Piper is, I think, a general uh, leading uh, our troops into battle in these culture wars. Uh, Dr. Piper is a best-selling author. He is a weekly columnist for the Washington Times. He is a podcast host of The Rebellion, which airs on a radio station in Oklahoma and is available wherever you get your podcasts. And he's a former university president as well. Dr. Piper, good morning. Good to have you back, sir. How are you? I'm doing great, Bob. Always good to be on. How's the knee doing? Actually, fantastic. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, as everyone knows, or that may they, they may not remember, I got kicked in the knee by one of my horses. Had to have surgery a little over a week ago, but I've been biking and working on the farm, and that's great physical therapy. So I'm almost back to normal. Good for you. Glad to hear. You know, well, normal is a term we have to discuss right now. <laughs> Because Fair of, enough. Because of your last uh, column, uh, the one that you wrote for this past Sunday, and we always talk about your most recent piece in the Washington Times, and in this one you discuss what you and I have discussed for a long time, and I know you've discussed on the Rebellion, and I've discussed on my own program as well, and we're going to talk. It is interesting, though, your phrasing of this, or at least the uh, the headline that you gave this piece, or maybe your, your uh, uh, editors did, the canine behavior of the LGBTQ cabal, delusional sexual activists bent on denying reality, and acting like dogs. Now, you talk all the time. You and I have talked about Imago Dei and Imago Dog, and, 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 and I know that's a, that's a big part of this, and, and maybe we can go into a little bit more depth on this. But um, we really are. Well, not we. Those who are pushing, promoting, recruiting, and grooming people into alternative lifestyles as part of the LGBTQ, XYZ, LMNOP uh, organizations, um, they, they, they really are dehumanizing them. They are dehumanizing them. They are dehumanizing women by t- uh, telling women that you really don't exist. It is only a matter of what somebody feels like, and uh, you and your own unique qualities that make you woman uh, are, 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 are simply something that we don't have to acknowledge. Um, tell us more about that. Tell us what you mean by the dehumanization factor. Well, uh, I'll, I'll get to the Imago Dei, Imago Dog distinction. Uh, for those that listen to you routinely on your program, they've probably heard me talk about this before. Sure. Essentially, it's the 
It's the image of God versus the image of the animal. We're told in Genesis that we are made in the image of God, and that's the Imago Dei, the image of God. Well, I play with that language in a lot of my writing and a lot of my commentary when it comes to the sexual ethic, Mm -hmm. because it's the highest compliment to the human being, to a man or a woman, to say, hey, you're made in the image of God. God's thumbprint is on your heart, mind, and soul. It distinguishes you in a unique and exceptional way from all of the rest of creation. Animals don't have that thumbprint on their heart, mind, and soul. Dogs don't. The Imago Dei is the image of God. The Imago Dog is the image of the animal. And I think I've said on your show before, when I drive through the ranches of Oklahoma and I see cows out in the pasture grazing, I don't see or hear any of them engaging in radio conversation or podcasts or debate. They don't care. They don't argue with one another because they are not cognitively aware of this type of existence. And that seems self-evident, doesn't it? But when you've got the New York Times, okay, when the New York Times stumbles onto this issue and essentially agrees with Bob Franz and Everett Piper, when Bill Maher and other leftists agree with what we're saying right now because they're so disturbed by the dumbing down of the human being to nothing but the sum total of inclinations, of passions, of defining the human being by what they want to do, that your desires are what defines you. This is nothing but dumbing down the definition of the human being to the animal. And that's what you see in this New York Times opinion piece that I cite in my editorial in the Washington Times, where Pamela Paul says that she's very disturbed, and she's not a conservative. She's very disturbed by the left's, the LGBTQ agenda of this misogynistic cult that reduces women to just a quote-unquote mix of body parts and gender stereotypes. And then she bemoans the fact that the very word woman is now verboten in their lexicon. They've replaced the word woman with nonsensical terms like um, pregnant people and birthing persons and menstruators and bodies with vaginas. That's what they're saying about women right now. Now, I ask the listeners, I ask everybody listening to your show right now, is that a compliment to the woman to dumb her down to nothing but the functions of her body parts? What an insult. How how much degrading can you be to a human being to suggest to them that you are nothing but your biological functions, and we're not going to acknowledge any identity above and beyond that? Well, you know I go further into, into the, in, in the article to challenge this and say, we, from the very beginning, the, a few conservatives like you and me have said, look, If we get the definition of the human being wrong, everything else thereafter is going to crumble. And I would argue from the very beginning of the LGBTQ movement, we have dumbed down the definition of the human being, and therefore we're suffering the consequences today of not even being able to define a woman. And we've just appointed a Supreme Court justice that doesn't know what a woman is, Uh, even the left. Even the left, the New York Times, is now getting it. And I guess that's a reason for us to have hope. Yeah, and, you know, I'm so glad you wrote that uh, and, and, you, and you highlighted that. I talked about that story here as well, but I, I'm, I'm a little bit more cynical 
uh, about the hope factor because of what has happened since that article came out, and that is uh, the hearing uh, that happened two days ago uh, with the Senate Judiciary Committee and the law professor from uh, Cal Berkeley who engaged with Senator John Cornyn and then Senator John Hawley and continued to refuse to acknowledge women. And in fact, uh, essentially said that you must acknowledge that men can give birth or you are a transphobe and thus committing violent acts against trans people. Um, she called them people with the capacity to to uh, to get pregnant or people with the capacity to pr- uh, uh, for pregnancy, as I think what it was. So... You know, while while it, it I, I fear that that what we saw in the New York Times is a bit of a one-off or an outlier because uh, Professor Bridges from Cal Berkeley is being celebrated by the left for standing up for the rights of of trans men who can become pregnant uh, and so forth and putting these transphobes like Corn and and Holly uh, in her pl- or in their places. Oh, I I think there's a battle. Don't misunderstand me. I think there's a dogfight before us, and we haven't, uh, people, the, the, the left, the radical left will just not, <clears throat> excuse me, lay down and die on this issue. But I do think that we have feminists, radical feminists, like Bette Midler. Bette Midler posted a tweet where she said the exact same thing as this woman with the New York Times. She's saying, uh, I don't have it in front of me right now, but I'm coming pretty close I remember in my it, hyper yeah. paraphrase. Yeah, she said, women of the world need to unite. We need to rise up. They're canceling us. They're telling us we don't even exist any longer. They're telling us we can't even use the word woman. If Bette Midler is on the same page as you and me on this one, and the New York Times columnist, Pamela Paul, as well as others that we don't agree with on a lot of stuff, like Bill Maher, when these guys are coming around and these women are coming around to recognize that we have a legitimate point and that we're the ones who are really the feminists here, because we're not denying the female. The irony right now is you and I, Bob, are the classical liberals, because we believe in liberty, and we recognize that liberty has to be grounded in something, and that's the laws of God and the laws of nature, and you're not going to be able to have any freedom if you start denying the reality of who the human being really is. When your definition of the person becomes little more than the cumulative effect of his or her sexual urges, you are admitting you think those with given a given appetite are actually defined by that desire. With a not-so-thinly-disguised bigotry, you are saying you think that's just who they are and, not their, and that their personal identity is nothing more than the totality of their libidinous inclinations. This is, of course, what you wrote, second to last paragraph, or third to last paragraph, rather, of your piece in the New York Times. And it underscores exactly that. This is misogyny, and this is dehumanization. This is you are defined not by the characters and qualities that God made you with, and you go on to point out what the Bible says about this, but you are defined by the urges and the inclinations and the desires that you possess. And, I, and, and if, if anything says dehumanizing and thus uh, particularly misogyny when you were talking about taking women's uh, identities away from them and just giving it to whatever they feel like, whatever someone feels like, um, that's exactly what it is. It's dehumanizing and it is, uh, it is something that I think everybody, including noted leftist Bette, Miller even, uh, Bette Midler, even admits uh, that they should push, push back against. Yes, and as you know, and I want to make this point very clear, uh, the biblical model is the exact excuse me, the biblical model is the exact opposite of all of this because it elevates men and women to the highest status of all worldviews. The biblical model 
says that we're made in the image of God. We're not made in the image of the dog. We are human beings. We are not animals. And we're not defined by our cravings. We're defined by our creator. And that is the complement that leads to the greatest measure of human freedom ever in human history, because when people are elevated to that high status, then you have to grant them dignity. You have to acknowledge their identity. You can't enslave them. You can't treat them as if they're chattel and property. You have to grant them equal dignity to your own because you're all created in the image of God. Male and female, he created them in his image. Dr. Everett Piper is my guest. We'll take our break here, Dr. Piper, because on the other side, I want to leave plenty of time for this. I told everyone at the beginning of my program when I announced your appearance today that the one of the two stories we were going to be talking about today would chill their blood. Uh, it did mine when you sent it to me yesterday. Um, I wish I didn't have the story to tell, rather to hear, because I'm going to let you tell it. But it's there, and uh, we'll do that right after this on AM 1420 The Answer. Ten twenty three now, always right radio on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. I've got seven minutes left to let Doctor Everett Piper tell us about something that is um, something I wish we just didn't have. Um, most of our listeners are familiar with Judicial Watch, Doctor Piper. They know who Tom Fitton is, and they know uh, some of the great work that he and they have done over the course of the last twenty years or so in exposing uh, a lot of very very important things that are being buried uh, and hidden from the American people. So since Roe versus Wade has become the topic of the land over the course of the last, well, really the last two months since the uh, leak of the draft opinion, and now since the uh, actual opinion was announced, um, this takes on even more significance. Um, documents that Tom Fitton and Judicial Watch have uncovered that essentially um, confirm the unthinkable. I don't even want to tell the story, and it's your story, so I'll let you do it. Well, it's it doesn't surprise me. Um, we know, uh, was it uh, Veritas Watch that uh, disclosed the Pro- fact Project that Veritas. Planned Parenthood... Project Thank you. Mm-hmm. Project, Project Veritas disclosed the fact a couple years ago that Planned Parenthood was selling uh, fetal body parts, that they were taking nearly full-term babies and selling their hearts and their livers and their brains and their lungs for research purposes. We know that. That's a fact. Planned Parenthood was caught on video admitting it. Well, now we have Tom Fitton of Judicial Watch, who has done great work, and this is not fake news. I know Tom Fitton personally because I'm a member of the Council for National Policy with him. I've sat with him at at conferences and whatnot. Not bragging, I'm just saying I know this guy. And he does not disclose anything to the public that he doesn't have documentation to back up. Well, he now has the documentation through a FOIA request where he now can prove that the Obama administration was um, acquiring fetal heads. I'll say that again. They were buying through the Food and Drug Administration under Obama fetal heads, babies' heads, and they wanted this quote-unquote Fresh, never frozen. Is there anything more barbaric that we could read in today's news? That our government is buying babies' heads and that they're 
they're saying that one of the prerequisites for the purpose is we want them fresh. We don't want them frozen. That was taking place under the, under the Obama administration. But yet we have people today railing against us because we're pro-life and we want to protect the dignity of the human being. Really, there's a tie between the first segment on your show and this one, and it's the definition of what a human being is. Because if you start dumbing down the definition of a human being in one category, you're going to be tempted to do it in all categories, and you're going to start defining other humans as being inferior to you to the point where you can buy and sell their heads fresh, not frozen. That should sober all of us. The, uh, there is an interview, uh, and I have this story up now since Dr. Piper gave it to me yesterday. It's on uh, alwayswrite.us and under the top stories um, drop down. So just click, you know, look, click on the first one and start scrolling down. You'll see it. There's an interview that Tom Fitton did about this subject and about those documents on uh, One American News Network in which he literally clarifies exactly what you said, quoting from the documentation, that the heads were to be fresh and not frozen. Now, what what they don't talk about, not that it matters, but it kind of matters. What possible justification would they have for such ghoulish, barbaric requests? I mean, we, 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 you're right. Project Veritas exposed the harvesting of, of livers and, and other organs from the bodies that we're told, by the way, are not human by those who are pro, pro death. Um, you know, these are, these are clumps of cells, how they, how they can actually have arms and legs and, and livers and lungs and so forth to be harvested. I don't understand because they said that these aren't really babies. But at any rate, we, we've heard of those things, but now literally decapitate the aborted infants and get those fresh heads, not frozen, to us post-haste. I, I, for what purpose? Like I said, not that any could justify it, Dr. Piper, but I, but I can't help but wonder, is there some massive medical value that is going to save lives um, that is the result of this? Because I, 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 as, as horrific as it is, I, I, don't want to, I don't want to think of it as being that horrific. Uh, and, and, I don't care what it is. I don't care if they can, and they would. And let's just cut to the chase here, Bob. They would say, well, the research that we're doing with these brains is going to give us a leg up on saving adult human lives because we're going to discover some cures medically for certain diseases, whether it be dementia or whether it be a spinal injury or whatever it is that they're going to come up with and say we can save adult lives because we're killing these babies. They will say that because they just said like they it do before. with fetal cell just like they do with fetal cells and vaccines. Absolutely. And here's the thing I want to emphasize. These babies that they're decapitating to use your language are not even graced with the benefit of anesthesia. We are extracting babies in late term, the third trimester, in some cases, minutes before they're born, we're extracting these babies from the woman's womb by tearing them limb from limb, okay? They don't even have the benefit of anesthesia. I had somebody on Facebook tell me, well, they don't feel pain. Are you out of your mind? Everybody and their brother knows, whether you're an atheist, agnostic, or whether you're an Anabaptist, or whether you're an Anglican, whether you're charismatic, or whether you're Catholic, I don't care who you are. If you read the science, you know that babies do feel pain prior to birth. And to claim otherwise is just bold ignorance and denial and that's where we are as a culture right now that we can actually convince ourselves that it's humane 
to kill a human being without even giving that human being, that baby, the benefit of being anesthetized. They are being decapitated without any benefit of anesthesia. Well, as I said, uh, this is the kind of thing that makes your blood run cold. Uh, mine is. Uh, and I'm glad we know about it, even though I don't want to know about it. But, I, but I, I hope that this is something that leads to an investigation into these practices, that hopefully when we have a, an administration and a government that actually cares about life and cares about not torturing unborn babies in such horrific ways, that maybe we can do something to stop it. I don't want to know that it happens, but the fact that it happens, we need to know about so we can hopefully put a stop to it. Dr. Everett Piper, I appreciate you always. Thank you for bringing this to our attention. Uh, God bless. We'll talk to you soon. Take care. Blessings. 1031. We'll go from Dr. Everett Piper and that story to a different type. The propaganda machine is in full operation again. CDC, FDA, NIH, Walensky, Fauci, all of them pushing for more COVID restrictions, pushing more shots. Dr. Sherry Tenpenny is going to talk about that with us next on Always Right Radio, AM 1420, The Answer. Delivering you from the depravity of the radical left. Always Right Radio with Bob France on The Answer. We know that vaccine against effectiveness against severe disease and death remains high for other Omicron sub-lineages and likely also for BA4 and 5. So staying up to date on your COVID-19 vaccines provides the best protection against severe outcomes. Currently, many Americans are under-vaccinated, meaning they are not up to date on their COVID-19 vaccines. Not all people over the age of 50 have received their first booster dose. Of those who've received their first booster dose, only 28% of those over 50 have received a second booster dose. And of those over the age of 65, only 34% have received their second booster dose. So my message right now is very simple. It's essential that these Americans, as Dr. Shaw said, get their second booster shot right away. Would I be out of line by saying that my essential message to Dr. Rochelle Walensky of the CDC is to go to hell? Uh, Because that's just kind of how I feel about it, especially when we have been told that the booster doses, like the regular doses, don't work. That is good data now that if you were infected with BA1, you really don't have a lot of good protection against BA4-5. And in other countries, particularly that have BA4-5 anti-dating hours, the reinfection rate is clear that that... You got one, you got two, you got a boost, and now you need another boost. And even when you get the other boost, because Dr. Fauci is four times shot, he's still getting COVID, he says. Joining us now to talk about the ramping up of the propaganda campaign for the fall of 2022, maybe perhaps known as the midterm variant, is Dr. Sherry Tenpenny. Dr. Tenpenny, good to have you back. How are you? Good morning, Bob. Thank you. And I like that. The midterm variant. I like that. That's kind of the way I feel about it. I mean, this is just bizarre. The number of stories that are all coming out at the same time. Well, COVID is not over. And, 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 and you know, uh, uh, we're in great peril if you think that it is. And if you don't act like it, Fauci is back out there telling us it's time to indoor mask again, Dr. Tenpenny. Now, this is July. This is getting to be mid-July. So we're about three and a half months away from uh, from an election. And, uh, and I'm not saying it's all political. I know a lot of it is profit as well but 
Let's start with what you just heard from uh, from Dr. Rochelle Walensky, uh, who is telling everybody, if you don't have your boost, you know, and in fact, let me kind of uh, dovetail this question into that question before you answer. Dr. Rand Paul asked a very good question on Tuesday. He said, you know, if the influenza shots that are promoted each and every year in the fall and winter change every year based on the conditions of, of you know, what type of uh, variant of influenza is going to be the one that is, you know, most most troublesome, why do they keep pushing the same exact shots that they put out on day one of the pandemic uh, uh, from Pfizer and Moderna and Johnson & Johnson, the same exact shots for the second, same exact shot for the third, same exact shot for the fourth, especially if they are acknowledging that they don't offer good protection against infection? Well, it's the perfect question, isn't it? Especially since the, the Wuhan and the alpha viral variants are essentially extinct now. They've morphed, they've modified, we went to Omicron, and now we're going to something, I think it's called BA5, and these variants just keep coming because that's what viruses do, they morph, and as we continue to inject these shots into people, we're putting pressure on it, and it's going to continue to morph. Let me read you two quick stats. This is an article by Dr. Stephen Hatfield that wrote for the Journal of American Physicians and Surgeons. I mean, this just came out this week. 87% of ER visits and hospitalizations are in the fully vaccinated, um, defined as two shots and a booster, 87%. 90% of deaths in people over 50 years of age occur within 60 days of a positive COVID test who have been vaccinated because the vaccinated people destroy their both their innate and their adaptive immune system. They're more likely to contract COVID, coronavirus infection, influenza infection, and pneumonias. They're more likely to get sick. And the fully vaccinated, this came out of a huge Israeli study of 2.5 million people. They, the fully vaccinated are 6 to 13 times more likely to be hospitalized and 6 to 8 times more likely to die if they get sick after they've been fully vaccinated, meaning two shots and a booster. And now they want everybody to make sure they get their booster, their second booster. And I was told at the beginning of this that their full intention is seven boosters as, as we go forward with this. Um, t- first of all, I would just like to know, and I know you don't have the answer to this question, or maybe you do because they'll try to cancel you, just like they try to cancel you personally uh, and many others. But I was going to say, why does nobody ask the questions of Dr. Walensky and of Dr. Fauci and everybody else that is establishing policy here in the federal government? The, the stats that you just gave about the people who are, you know, the percentages of those who are once and twice boosted uh, being hospitalized compared to those who are not. I mean, those are those are some stunning and damning statistics that just demand more scientific research and study. And instead, they're not even brought up. They're buried because it doesn't fit their agenda, Bob. I mean, they want everybody injected with this bioengineered um, bioweapon, with this genetic modification technology that does not provide people, uh, it, it doesn't keep people from getting sick, doesn't keep people from transmitting infection, doesn't keep people from out of the, from going to the hospital, and doesn't lower the death rate. In fact, it accelerates the death rate. And yet, and, you know, Dr. David Martin came out a couple of weeks ago and projected that he thought by 2028, which I think that timeline is too long, I think it'll be sooner than that, that 750 million people will die from these shots. And now that they are lowering the um, the age that now they're going to approve, they have approved um, giving these shots to six-month-old babies, and and Moderna is starting a study next in uh, in September 
to starting giving these injections to three-month-old babies. I mean, we're going to see massive deaths in children, in pregnant women, in the elderly. We're, we're now, they've contrived this diagnosis called sudden adult death syndrome. I mean, yeah. you know, SADS, you know, people, just healthy people just dropping over dead. And doctors are perplexed, was the title of the article. Doctors are perplexed. They have no idea why this is happening because they cognitively are refusing to connect the dots between the shots and these serious side effects, including death. You know, I don't want to be conspiratorial because that's not my way. But I, I, I wonder when they cognitive, cognitively refuse that, that information, I, I wonder if it is, if they're under threat. I mean, I, like I said, I know that sounds well, horrific, but, but if you have companies that are engaging in practices that are making them billions upon billions of dollars per quarter, not just per year, but per quarter. And we're talking about these big pharmaceutical companies, and they're working in conjunction with globalists, global leaders like the World Health Organization, which now, by the way, uh, because of actions taken uh, in in recent meetings, uh, they will be able to dictate to uh, the United States and other member nations in the WHO how they handle pandemics or health emergencies as they determine them to be. When you have this much power and this much wealth and this much profit on the line, Dr. Tenpenny, I, I, I don't think there are any depths to which they will not stoop to try to silence people and to, and, you know, and, and, and to get them to go along to, to survive, perhaps. That's not a conspiracy theory, Bob. That's a, that's a conspiracy fact. I mean, they have, people have been threatened. They have, their jobs have been threatened. Doctors are threatened by the state medical boards to not write exemptions. You know, people are told to keep their mouth shut. They're not allowed to talk for threat of their jobs. The other thing, reason that I think that doctors can't get their head around the connection, there's, that's the one point. I think many of them have been threatened. I think the second part is most physicians have had two shots and a booster. And so if they connected the fact that that could be the cause, Actually, after you get the second shot of the Pfizer, you have eight times, eight, an eight times increased risk of getting myocarditis. After you get the second Moderna shot, you have a 16 times increased risk of getting myocarditis. And so the doc, and, and that means leading to the, uh, the uh, sudden cardiac death of this sudden adult death syndrome that they've now contrived. So I'm wondering when the doctors look in the mirror in the morning and brush their teeth, they're wondering if they're the next one that's going to fall over dead if they connect those dots. And the second thing is, if some of the good physicians who are out there who are still trying to do the right thing look across their practice and go, all these people died and I forced them to get the shot. I'm, am I complicit in this? And no, 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 I can't be the shot. It couldn't have been that. So they can't connect that because of that cognitive dissonance. Well, I just and- I just hired a new nurse practitioner in my practice that quit her job because she said, I saw 81 of, of my patients die because the doctors forced them to get the shots, and I couldn't do it another day. We are talking with Dr. Sherry Tenpenny. Uh, the practice she references is Tenpenny Immigra- uh, Integrated Medical Center. It's tenpennyimc.com. It's in uh, Middleburg Heights. It's been in existence since 1996. She's been providing integrated, holistic medical care. Um you know, not just doctors, I would think, would wonder about their liability in all of this, and or even just morally. You know, because we know that we know that the pharmaceutical companies themselves are are, are protected. So if anybody dies from jamming jamming these things into them, they don't have anything to worry about. But I would think that not just doctors would have a concern, but also um, companies, organizations, schools, employers. 
um, that mandate the shots in order for people to keep their jobs, as you just pointed out. Um, I sent this to you a couple of days ago, and I'll just reference it briefly here, that um, the, an interview was done by Neil McCabe, who is our one of our commentators, but he works for the Ohio Star News Network. He interviewed an Army JAG officer about corruption in the military's vaccine mandate program. Doctors are being fired for giving exemptions, for granting religious or philosophical or medical exemptions to the jab, and they are, in fact, going back and retroactively rescinding exemptions that had been granted previously. So I'm thinking to myself, with all of these deaths and all of these serious adverse events and myocarditis and strokes and, and, and palsies and, 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 and Guillain-Barr syndrome and all these other things that are happening here, I would kind of think that anybody who mandates this, uh, not just the doctors who give the shots, but anybody who forces the shots to have to happen by, by, uh, you know, by, by literally threatening people's livelihoods and their jobs, I would think that there would be liability concerns there, too. You would think. And I hope that those are some things that are going to start rolling forward. Uh, and, and employers who force their employees to get a shot to keep their job, and now they're saying, oh, well, you know, you really didn't have to get it. We're going to allow you an exemption. I don't understand why those lawsuits haven't already fall, uh, rolled out. And in conjunction with that article you sent me, there's another um, article, kind of a, I think it's a TV thing that Epoch, Epoch Times put out, yeah. The title says vaccine mandate will force over 700 pilots and 400,000 National Guard troops to be discharged. 40,000. 40,000. 40, yes, 40,000. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, that's right. That's right. 40,000. You know, but that's still a lot of people. 700 pilots, <laughs> 40,000 National Guard troops to be discharged. Now they're rescinding, you know, exemptions. Um, I know of physicians, of friends of mine in California, that they are not allowed to write exemptions for people who got the first shot and had a serious side effects, serious like seizures or neurological complications or myocarditis, that they are not allowed, the State Medical Board in California will not allow them to write a medical exemption so that those those patients um, are not required to get additional boosters. Um, that is that is remarkable. Uh, when you're when you literally now have medical evidence that taking this shot has caused a medical malady, it has compromised someone's otherwise good health and made them sick at a terrible adverse event, and then to still say no exemption for you, you get number two or you're fired. I I just I can't fathom it. I can't understand it. Uh, I, I also cannot understand it. You know that story you just sent me about the uh, forty thousand guard troops and the and the seven hundred pilots. You know, follow up to that is more than sixty thousand soldiers in the Army Reserve and Army National Guard uh, are losing pay and benefits. Uh, and that's just step one. They're trying to squeeze them by cutting their pay and cutting their benefits into getting this. And if they don't get it, then they're going to be fired. So we're talking about more. You know, you 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 look at this. You look at this mission that they're on to get all of this stuff into every body that they can. They're willing to sacrifice national security. They're willing to literally put us in danger and put our, our, our military in jeopardy, weaken our military, putting all of us in jeopardy to advance this. It's, it's, that's 100% correct. I have a really good friend who retired a couple years ago before this, um, uh, from way up in the military. He was in special ops and special security things, he said, gee, wouldn't it be great if we could take all of those highly trained, patriotic military people, men and women, and created the most highly trained um, um, national militia, (laughs) use them to defend our country when our country is wanting to sacrifice them and our security. 
Dr. Sherry Ted Penny, uh, some some very amazing and interesting things, and I'm still just flabbergasted. The number of parents who have been sold this bill of goods, who have been victimized by this propaganda campaign, who are taking their six-month-old babies into doctors' offices, their two-year-olds, their three-year-olds, to get them jabbed. They are perfectly healthy. They're at next to zero risk of anything having to do with COVID, and yet they are putting their children at risk because of this propaganda campaign. It's unlike anything that I've ever seen. And, um, you know, it's one thing, and I still wouldn't support it, but it's one thing to make them available, particularly, and even to strongly recommend them to seniors who are uh, of, uh, you know, immunocompromised. I understand that to a degree where maybe they recommend, but it's got to be a recommendation and not a mandate. And it's got to be uh, something where the full informed consent is given. These are all of the things that can happen to you potentially if you take this. Um, they're not doing that, Dr. Tenpenny. And that to me is as, is as aggravating and as infuriating as anything is that any drug that I see advertised on television has to tell you what all of the potential side effects are. And every time there is a CDC uh, spot on there telling everybody to get their shots, the only two side effects that they list are safe and effective. And that's all. That's not informed consent at all. No, it isn't. And it's interesting. The interesting part about all of this, Bob, if you go back to the beginning, is that the pharmaceutical industry, Pfizer, Moderna, Johnson & Johnson, AstraZeneca, they have all conveniently stolen and co-opted the word vaccine so that everybody thinks, oh, this is just like a flu shot or, oh, it's just like a pneumonia vaccine that they've been familiar with for decades. So they've co-opted that word. So people think that the COVID vaccine is just another vaccine when it's not. It's synthetically made. It's never been tested. In fact, the testing they did on humans before they released it was less than three and a half months. They've never tested it on, on children. You know, when they, when they went down to five-year-olds, when I saw that first being approved a couple of months ago to five-year-olds, I said, well, I wonder if a couple million dead first graders will get somebody's attention. I would you know, because they won't acknowledge yeah. that that's what did it. They'll, 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 they'll find something else, won't they? They're using this word vaccine because it's not a vaccine, and I very, very strategically have taken that out of my vocabulary since it started. It's a shot, it's a jab, it's an injection of a genetic modification technology that doesn't keep you from getting sick and, in fact, destroys your immune system and makes you more susceptible to being sick, not only to COVID, to other types of viruses and bacteria in the environment. I can't remember all those words, so I just call it a profit shot. That's what I call it. There you uh, go. Because, well, you know, I mean, vaccination used to be synonymous with inoculation. And inoculation means you do not get infected. You take the shot, you will not get infected. In fact, that's what they and Biden in particular said at the beginning of all of this. You get these shots, you will not get COVID. Well, they, of course, now know that that's not true. So they went onto the CDC's website and changed the definition of the word vaccine and the word vaccinated to to make that not synonymous with uh, with inoculated and turned it into uh, helps uh, helps. Uh, uh, tamp down symptoms or helps uh, 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 you know uh, uh, return to health or restore health or something of that nature. So they literally had to change the the forever medically accepted definition of vaccination to something different to cover their behinds here because this is in no way, shape, or form something that inoculates you. Uh, exactly. That's, that's where we'll have to leave it for now. Dr. Sherry Tenpenny. Doctor, thank you so much. It's always a pleasure talking with you. Keep up the great work. We encourage people, too, if you are uh, in need of care and if you are in need of great medical advice, go to Dr. Tenpenny at tenpennyimc.com. Tenpennyim, that's integratedmedicalcenter.com. Thank you, Doctor. Take care. Thank you, Bob. 1056, right back on Always Right Radio.
You and I know and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shot heard round the world? The martyrs of history were not fools. And our honored dead, who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis, didn't die in vain. Where then is the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. This is Always Right Radio with Bob France on AM 1420, The Answer. Hour number three underway now at 10 minutes past 11 o'clock. Always Right Radio, AM 1420, The Answer. Thanks for being with us. Don't forget, alwaysright.us. Just, just uh, updated it during the break so that you can find the link to the article by Dr. Piper on the canine behavior of the LGBTQ cabal. Also, Dr. Sherry Tenpenny's latest on her Substack page, When Babies Go Missing, talking about the extraordinary danger of injecting your six-month-old, your one-year-old, your two, three, four, five-year-olds, all of whom now are greenlit for... Um, uh, for these profit shots by the FDA under the emergency use authorization. Uh, so we just had a really important conversation you needed to hear. You should also read what she wrote. So both those are now linked to uh, alwayswrite.us, as are the top stories of the day, including the story from the uh, Judicial Watch uh, program, which uh, found out what uh, the <laughs> what the Obama administration had been doing, far, far worse than what Project Veritas ever, ever intended. So we'll talk more about that, but in the meantime, you can look at it at uh, alwayswrite.us. That's alwayswrite.us. want to go now to Ohio politics uh, to start hour number three. And, oh, by the way, since it is the start of the new hour, I said I would do this. Uh, it's the 14th morning of the seventh month of the year of our Lord, 2022. So I want to use this last opportunity to say happy birthday to my son, Jarrett. Very proud of you, young man. 19 years. I hope this one is the best year of your Daniel life. Can you dig it? At least until the next one. That's uh, that's what my hope is. Now I want to pivot, and I want to go to Ohio politics and the leadership of the state of Ohio. Uh, about a month ago or so, we talked to Neil Peterson for the first time, and I said we need to talk to Neil Peterson more times, as he is an independent candidate, essentially. Even though he's a conservative, he's an independent candidate uh, running for Ohio governor. Of course, Mike DeWine won the primary and is the uh, Republican nominee. Nan Whaley is the Democrat nominee. Neil Peterson is fighting an uphill battle. There's no question about it, but he's going to be out and about this weekend, and we're going to tell you all about it. Neil, welcome back to our program. How are you this morning? Bob, I am better than I deserve. I can tell you that. Thank you for having me on your show. Yes, sir. It's a pleasure. Hey, before we talk about what's coming up this weekend, and I know you've got a couple of stops you're going to be making, a speech you're going to be making as well. Uh, where are we on the ballot issue? That was the last part of our conversation last time around. Uh, a certain amount of signatures needed to be collected, needed to be verified. I don't know where that stands at this moment. Can you update us? Well, I think you said it right that we have been in an uphill battle from the very start because you and I both know that the two-party system does not want an independent on the ballot. 
And tomorrow, you we, we've nailed this right in the right time because tomorrow, according to the Secretary of State calendar, they are going to give us official notice whether we have been approved by their standards uh, and made it on the ballot or not. So we have been waiting on pins and needles. Of course, they haven't done this in any sort of expedited time. And to be honest with you, we are even anticipating that we may not hear from them tomorrow. We've not heard a peep. So just to do a very quick refresher, we submitted on May 2nd our petition, and that included roughly 6,000 signatures, which is the uh, not the allotted amount, but we had to have 5,000. And that went to all 88 counties, and they have since returned those back to the Secretary of State. And now here comes the, I believe, the unconstitutional ruling, as rumor has it, that we are uh, going to be disqualified. And this is just inside baseball from what we're hearing, because I am an affiliated candidate and I am a declared Republican. And this is the unconstitutional world that we live in, in Ohio, that you will not see independence on the ballot if the Republican and the Democratic Party have their way, because they will do everything they can, short of uh, criminal action, uh, to make sure that independents do not have a chance. That is, sent, that is just unconscionable, uh, is what it is. I mean, the people are supposed to be able to choose their representation, particularly as it pertains to the executive, which has more power in any one person than the individuals who make up the collective legislature. Um, and to say that it must come from one of those two parties and that it cannot come from somebody who represents the people in a different manner, whether it be a, you know, as an independent or not, um, that's, that's unconscionable. So, what will be the determining factor? I mean, if they tell you tomorrow, hey, your signatures are approved, you're good to go. However, uh, you, since you've been a registered Republican, you can't run as an independent. Um, they essentially cancel each other out and you're out. Okay, so I, I want to, because, you know, in the political world, for those that, you know, we call it a bubble, you know, there's a percentage of people that are very in tune with what's happening in Ohio politics. Yeah. You know, and then there's people that are not in tune. It doesn't mean they're bad people. It doesn't mean they're not political. They're just busy in life and they're waiting till election time. But I want to read this, a very short statement, because there's so much misinformation. There's so many lies. The Secretary of State in, in 2007 was Jennifer Brunner. And there was a ruling that came down, and it was the United States Court of Appeals of the Sixth Circuit. And this ruling was Morrison versus Colley. And I don't have time to get into the ruling, but essentially, this is, this is an advisory. There is no Ohio revised code that says me as an individual cannot be party affiliated and still run as an independent. Okay. Mm. And so I'm going to quote this. It's four sentences. Let me read this, Bob. Please if I go could. ahead. Yes, sir. It says, this is from an advisory number 2007-05, June 4, 2007. Okay, here it goes. Longstanding practice in Ohio and the interpretations of revised code 3513-257 made by former Ohio secretaries of state required, listen to this, only that the candidacy of an independent candidate be independent of political party affiliation. So only the can only the independent candidate uh, of the candidacy 
But then it goes on to say, but not that the individual himself or herself be entirely unaffiliated. Here comes, it says, the Morrison case now requires, get this, requires that independent candidates actually be unaffiliated and that when an unaffiliation is claimed, it must be claimed in good faith. So this is the precedent. There was longstanding practice in Ohio. Think about this. And I've asked, I've asked our uh, events that we've been at, I've asked the people, I said, would you rather a candidate have been voting previously? And you'll, you and I both know you're only going to vote for R.D. Would you rather have that candidate have been voting in the past and then they decide that they're sick of the party and they want to go independent? Or would you rather some schmuck that's never been voting that all of a sudden comes out of the closet and now he's going to say he's an independent? You know, I've not had one person, one person in the public that's had a problem that I was a Republican in the past. But, you know, the only person that has a problem with it is the secretary of state. So they're trying to say that I have to be not just the, my just not my candidacy has to be independent in nature, in good faith, that me as an individual. But let me tell you how that's done. It requires two primary cycles for me to become unaffiliated or, and get this, or if I were to vote and there is an issues only in, in my county, which there was not on May, on May 3rd, then at that time I can become unaffiliated. But they look at the, the cycle of the last two primaries. So think about this. We saw everything that happened in two years. I mean, we saw our country erode. We saw our state get shut down. We saw Mike DeWine shut it down like a dictator, right, or a coward. And now I cannot run up as an independent. Now, tomorrow to answer your question, Bob, if they come back, we're not done. We've got some lawyers lined up that are chomping at the bit because we have some things in place that could set us up for future success because if we get a positive ruling on this, and we're going to fight as hard as we can, we're going to make sure that the Republican Party either shapes up or ships out when an independent is finally elected to the highest office in Ohio politics. Well, they will have to do something, no doubt about it, if that were to happen. So I'm glad to know that you've got a legal team ready to go on this. Because, you know, in, in it's funny, when you, you, you led all of that up to the only person who disagrees with that is the, uh, is the Secretary of State. I, I would dare say there are two, and the other one would be the current governor. If you get into this as a if you get into this as a as as a uh, as a conservative minded individual, uh, and you pull even a fraction of the percentages away from Mike Dewine, he is in very serious trouble, and Nan Whaley could very easily walk into the governor's office. So I'm sure Mike Dewine isn't uh, is is huddling a little bit with the Secretary of State uh, to make sure that they do whatever they can do to keep you off of that ballot. Yeah, I, I would agree. I, I think they're, they're the only positive that is in this. And we're just going to wait. We've been putting our trust in the Lord. You know, we've been fighting a battle of truth and righteousness and integrity and courage, all the things that not only the Democratic Party is not standing for. And I'm not taking shots at the Republican Party, but, Bob, I said this a couple months ago when I was on your show in May. The Republican Party continues to be divided. And we have been working very hard as we have been working, get this, 
we have been working as a gubernatorial candidate, working harder to bring unity in the Republican Party than Mike DeWine as the sitting governor that is the elected primary uh, candidate in the Republican Party. And I, I say that, and I will challenge him. We are, we are outpacing him 10 to 20 to 1 in events that, guess what, our events, 95% of the people in our events are registered Republican. And some others are libertarian. Some others are just independent in nature. But they're going to vote conservative. And so we're working harder to bring unity in the Republican Party than Mike DeWine. And, and that's, that's not rhetoric. That's actual real life. I believe it. I absolutely believe it. Um, you know, the, the hard thing for me, Neil, we're talking to Neil Peterson, independent candidate for governor. Um, the hardest thing for me is... Uh, when when that primary came down, I was livid at Joe Blystone for not getting out of the way because I really, truly believed in a one-on-one. Or I just want the, the state of Ohio to have a runoff like so many other states do and have the top two con- finishers in a, in a multiple candidate primary face off in a one-on-one. And I think in a one-on-one, Jim Renacci would have beaten Mike DeWine. I have no doubt about it, and I feel like Joe Blystone screwed that entire thing up. And I was so livid that Mike DeWine won this thing because I am so disgusted by him as a Democrat governing uh, with a Republican initial after his name. Uh, but he, he actually governs like a Democrat. I was so livid. And now I'm sitting here, though, in a, in a somewhat similar position. I'm thinking to myself, I like Neil Peterson, and I do. There's a lot to like about you and your conser- conservative credentials, your conservative uh, platform that you have laid out, uh, your vision for the state. There's a lot to like about that. But then I think to myself, what if it's just doing the same thing that Blystone did? What if, what if you know, this independent candidate, as much as I may like him, just like a lot of Blystone supporters were diehards for him, what if that ends up costing us the better option here? And I'm, like, like I said, I have no, no love whatsoever for Mike DeWine, but I know what Nan Whaley would mean to this state. So how do you, how do you answer people with questions like those? Um, that that say, hey, we really like what you stand for, but the chances of you winning are slim. If they're if they're that, um, and and you may end up hurting, you know, the opportunity. Well, I won't even say hurting the opportunity to get, keep a good governor in office. We don't have one, but you'd put a worse governor in office if that's the way it played out. I, you understand what well, I'm asking, Neil? I'm trying no, to do Bob, that as respectfully as possible yeah. because I do like you and I do like what you stand for. But that's the conundrum. No, it, it is. You laid it out very eloquently, and I believe succinctly enough for every person that may have that same question. And Bob, that is the number one concern when we go into an establishment, an event, and we're speaking. Is you know the Lord has given us great favor that that there there is a command that is a part of our campaign that people realize that 75-year-old Mike DeWine is drifting off into retirement. It's not about his age in the sense of, uh, yeah, I respect our elderly. But he is not going to fight for Ohio. He didn't do it during the pandemic, and he's not going to do it going forward. All through the headlines now, just this morning, he was talking about masks coming back. You know, the next wave is coming. It's going to be a dark winter. So there's uh, several things that I want your listeners to consider, because when it comes down to when we're on the ballot, and we're gonna we're gonna remain true to that, that we're gonna get on the ballot. The, the Lord did not bring us to the Red Sea to drown us. This is gonna be a Red Sea moment. 
America needs to be reminded not just of our past, but also of our future. It's very easy to grow discouraged and despaired that somehow America is over. But there are fighters, and there are those that the Lord has assembled in this hour to bring back the righteousness that our country once was. And I am seeing truly a revolution. And it's not one of bombs and bullets, as I've said many times, but it is truly in the essence of people with their words and their wills making a change in this great state. Succinctly, let me hear the response. Number one, Mike DeWine split the vote. Neil Peterson did not. I'm not even on the ballot. Everything that in this nature, and it's a good question, but this hypothetical sense, as you said, with the primary between Blystone and Renacy, obviously there was a split. But here's the thing, Bob. Mike DeWine did not get roughly 580,000 votes. So here's the question. Are those voters going to double back and vote for him in November? Well, here is my straw man. Every event I go to, probably the last 45 days, I will do a poll. And I say, will you raise your hand if under no circumstances will you vote for Mike DeWine? And do you know what? 90% of the time, I understand this is scientific, but it's just our poll internally that we do time and time again. And, Bob, I believe you even said it, that we will not vote for Mike DeWine under any circumstances. So we have a real problem. Because now people see the contrast of one Democrat that's far left. We've got another moderate Democrat that's Mike DeWine. And then you've got this true conservative, right, that is running as an independent. What do people do? And the question is, is there is going to be a split without Neil Peterson. And so can Mike DeWine beat the radical Nan Whaley? How many people will not show up? And so that is something we will not know till November. So now I have to add, and I prayed about it, I, I pondered it, I received counsel on it, wise counsel. I said, if I'm in this and I lose and I get on the ballot and we lose and we split the vote and Ann Whaley's in, do I want my picture on Wikipedia? <laughs> right? That's not my claim to fame, Bob. No. But the reality is this, and, and, I, and I, I chuckle, but it's not a laughing matter. This is what we need to know. How long? Will we do the same thing over and over again and expect different results? How long? How long will we be controlled with fear, where fear is the controlling mechanism that we say we're not going to vote our conscience, we're not going to vote for a candidate that we think can't win, because if all of a sudden people said he can win, it's going to bring a crazy momentum over. And here's the deal. We don't need to win with 51%. We need to win with 34%, obviously, in a perfect world, if there was a third and third and third. Right. And so that we're, in, we're not in normal times, and it takes, it takes different solutions, and it takes a different road than we've been down before. Politics, as usual, is not going to govern the way of the future as we're used to going. There's a new road that is being set before us. And people more than ever, the 6.2 million independent voters in Ohio are sick of the two-party system. And I believe now is our chance to make history. 
Neil Peterson, independent candidate for governor, laying it all out as to how it can work and how he believes it will work. You don't get led to the Red Sea just to drown. I think that's well said. So you got a thing coming up on Saturday, a couple of things. I understand you're going to be stopping by the uh, Medina County Anniversary Reunion Party um, at RPMC headquarters on Medina Road in Medina. Uh, then you got a speech. I just want to get this in super quick because we're out of time here. Then yep. you got a speech at the Westlake 912 Group. Uh, that's at Prince of Peace Lutheran Church. What time is that on Saturday? That's at 10 a.m., and we're going to go a couple hours there, and then we'll go right over doing a stop-by with all the anti-DeWine Republicans over there at the anniversary, and that starts at 1. Outstanding. Neil, thank you for coming on. Best of luck in the results you. you need tomorrow. Uh, thank you much, and have a great time on Saturday. Thank you, Neil. You, you have a blast. Thanks, Bob. All right, coming up on 1130. We'll get news, and we'll come back. Last segment still to come, AM 1420, The Answer. Spreading the light of liberty and holding the line against the darkness of tyranny. Always Right Radio with Bob Fratz on The Answer. All right, 11.39. Got one short segment left here before we hand it to Bill O to take you to the top of the hour. So stay right here on AM 1420, The Answer. Then Charlie Kirk, who's just brilliant. I love listening to Charlie for an hour. Then we get Dennis Prager and his brilliance. Great stuff. Stay here. Always right. Always even when I'm not on the air, always write radio here on AM 1420, The Answer. Uh, hey, uh, Dan in Middleburg, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Go ahead, sir. Uh, good morning. Good morning. <clears throat> on this subject of the 10-year-old girl, Yeah. If, when I heard this morning that uh, the rapist uh, needed an interpreter, I, I said to my wife immediately, I said, this guy's an illegal alien. <laughs> not that that's brilliant, but nonetheless yeah well he certainly is nobody it's, it's nobody confirmed he's a guatemalan and, national yeah he wouldn't he wouldn't know about the laws of uh, ohio because most of the people in ohio don't know all the laws you know so but <laughs> you're here's not the, wrong you're not here, wrong <laughs> here's the point though here that you haven't mentioned unless i missed it today okay i wouldn't doubt i don't trust these people for two especially this is columbus down there now that, that we know that yes right? Yes. I don't trust nobody down there with not reporting this stuff anywhere. I bet you that the reason you don't hear from parents or anybody, because this, this girl and her, uh, uh, the daughter, you know, and the parents probably are all living in the same neighborhood down there in Columbus someplace. They're illegal aliens, too. I could be wrong, but that could be a possibility. You know, it's not out of the realm of possibility since they kept this thing so hush and yeah. uh, they didn't report it and so forth. And it could be because they didn't want to expose them the fact that they are indeed here illegally. Well, um, in but, your investigation, just don't forget about that part. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's a it's a fair question. Of course, as you point out, um, it doesn't really matter. Uh, you know, no. a, 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 you know the, the trauma of the situation is is the same regardless. It's the cover up, um, though. So you but it is. It's part of the cover up. And the cover up. Well, now you I got abortion was... and illegal aliens. You know, that's what I'm saying. You know? Yeah, yeah. No, I do. I understand. And thank you for the okay. call, my friend. I appreciate it. You know, here's the thing. Just to go back to that super briefly, because uh, I talked about this for the first hour of the program. What makes that situation so infuriating is that the story should have been about. A 10-year-old girl being raped. A 10-year-old girl being raped by an illegal alien who should not have been in this country in the first place, regardless of her status. That's the story here. The police report, the first police report we now know, was filed on June 22nd. 
they didn't arrest this guy or even announce that there was somebody they were looking for until two days ago, till July 12th. That means they let a child rapist run free for three weeks. They let a child rapist run free for three weeks rather than reporting what should have been the story all so they could change the story and weaponize it and time it up to be this girl had to go get an abortion across state lines because of the barbaric uh, heartbeat law that the legislators of the state of Ohio passed and that Mike DeWine signed. That's the reality of this. Rather than the story being about protecting other potential victims by announcing this, they kept it buried, kept an illegal alien hidden, allowed him to potentially create more victims, commit more crimes for three solid weeks, all so they could weaponize this in the abortion fight, all so they could score points against the pro-lifers. That's what's so repugnant here. Now, whether she or her family or anybody else is, uh, is illegal, like uh, the, the rapist is, you know, I don't know, and, and quite frankly, I don't care at this point in time. That's not the story. The story is a little girl was raped, and a whole bunch of other people were put in serious jeopardy because they refused to acknowledge it, to report it, and to get him off the streets immediately. They probably could have arrested him at any time between the 22nd and uh, July 12th, But they weren't even looking. And how do we know this? Because the Attorney General of the State of Ohio, Dave Yost, said so. He said, not a whisper. Not a whisper that this whole thing ever even happened. That there's even a a family and a girl that exist in this situation. Not a whisper. And he said on Fox News, live, that he talks to and knows all of the prosecutors and all of the chiefs and sheriffs in the State of Ohio. And there's not a whisper of this. So that means they literally kept it quiet so that they could weaponize the situation, wait until it was six weeks and three days, then say, oh, she can't have an abortion here because of the horrific uh, law that would require this 10-year-old girl to carry her rapist baby to term. She had to go to Indiana to terminate. Simply repugnant. They exploited her pain. They exploited her tragedy. And they weaponized it in order to score points in the abortion fight. That's all the time we've got today. Thanks to my guests. We had great conversations with Dr. Piper, Neil Peterson, and Dr. Sherry Tenpenny. Those interviews are up on WHKradio.com. We'll see you. Bye-bye. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.